Hello, Spider-Dan here of the Spider-Dan and the Secret Balls podcast. Just wanted to give you a quick introduction on what I do and why you should check it out. My main mission for the podcast is to spotlight the best-kept secrets in entertainment that a mainstream audience may find boring. I cover these topics in various different formats, including Secret Defenders, where I challenge my guests to defend their favourite films that are underrated, obscure or infamous. Or Clone Balls, where we compare similar pieces of media and see which one will be crowned the victor. And Secret Ball Stories, where we compile a top five list in high fidelity fashion. I have various guests from all walks of life, including friends, family, comic book professionals and actors, while also doing the odd solo podcast and Patreon YouTube video here and there. If you like entertaining and informative discussions and are sick of content creators covering the same old MCU and Netflix programming, take a walk on the wild and the weird side by joining the Protalion. Swing over to spiderdanandthesecretballs.com for all the information you may need, such as links to the podcast, social media accounts, and how you can support the podcast. That's spiderdanandthesecretballs.com. That's B-O-R-E-S. Thanks for joining me, and as always, prepare for prattle. The name's Hamlet, and I got a tale about madness less than a female. Dad's a ghost, and he roams the floors. Looks at night, and Elson got a pale face just like his paint. Normal, you know this ain't something. Is rotten up in Denmark, a sick mistake. My uncle Claudius, his alibi is fishy Suspicions of murder because he's acting hella shifty Frailty, thy name is woman cause my mom's on his D A-N-I-S-H, though my dad's ghost tells me Well, swear, hello swear, everyone swear. and welcome to another episode of Indie Comic Spotlight, the show where we do a deep dive into an ongoing series of graphic novel from a company other than the big two And today, back with the Creator Corner Back returning, two returning guests One is here to tell us about another amazing project and to help me talk to him about the amazing project, I have a special guest all the way from the Netherlands of the northern climes of England. <laughs> Everybody's favorite Spider Dan is here. Spider Dan. Hello. Something is very rotten in Denmark if Uh-oh. I'm here again. <laughs> and of course, Spider Dan is here because he is a Shakespearean actor. Mm. And oh. I, I dress the part with my uh, Loki t-shirt, who is... <laughs> You know, as back in the day, not not so much in the movies, but definitely in the Jack Kirby comics, were very Shakespearean. Yes, with oh man, without a doubt. So that is why that is why Dan is here to join us today, James, because I was like, he and I are actually we've been we and his show. He does a thing where you do top five whatevers, like and you talk. So we are going to do sometimes top five Shakespearean adaptations. Because we okay. are both Shakespeare nerds, but we're not going to do like straight adaptations. It's not going to be like no. Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet. It's going to be like Warm Bodies for Romeo and Juliet, okay. right? Okay. Which Warm Bodies is a great transition. But our guest today, James Aquilone, not the child for uh, that fourteen-year-old boy on Twitter. Don't send him messages. The only other James <laughs> Aquilone in you, the world. You remember that? <laughs> I do. Don't send him messages. This He's James, now, yeah. yeah, yeah, writer, editor, reporter. Man with awesome bookshelf, James. Welcome back, sir. Oh, thanks for having me back. This twice, twice in one year. Yeah, I know it's very exciting. Very exciting. <laughs> I, and, well, and so before we get talking about your new project, I know Spider Dan wanted to talk about your past project just for a minute here, please. Okay. Yes. Um. So I listened to your podcast uh, with Ria as well, who uh, sadly can't join us this evening. 
Um, but I, I've always, I've heard about kind of Kolchak and I'm very into my cult films and that's kind of what my show's about and kind of the stuff that's kind of on the fringes. Um, I heard, I've heard about Kolchak and people have talked about it and how influential it is and how important it was. And hearing you guys talk about it, I was like, wow, this is amazing. What an amazing project, getting all these creators together, speaking to, uh, uh, is it Richard Matheson's son, I believe? I think that's yes. correct, yeah. Uh, and getting him and all the other guys on board is incredible. And what a what a sheer, uh, you know, force of effort that must have been just to make all these stars align. So I went, I'm going to watch the first one. I'm going to watch The Night Stalker. Right. And I loved it. I adored it. And uh, you guys were the inspiration for me to even step foot into that Kolchak world. And I'm actually doing a, I'm doing another top five. Tony, good that you mentioned them. I'm doing a vampire movies top five. And spoilers for that episode, Kolchak's going to be in my top five. <laughs> Very nice. Nice. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you, if you weren't into Kolchak, just watch that first movie. And if you don't fall along with it, you know, there's something wrong with you probably. <laughs> there's, yes. no, there's no coming back from that right you either are gonna love it or you're not like it's not gonna be for you but there's no halfway there's no dipping your toe into Kolchak no absolutely yeah. I, I've, yeah. I, I will definitely continue my Kolchak journey um, definitely it's uh, it was such a blast you know so well written so interesting well acted you know just everything about it I absolutely loved so uh, thank you for introducing me or pushing me off the off the ledge <laughs> into the Kolchak universe yeah that's the point and the cool thing is that the, the two TV movies are free on uh, on YouTube so anyone can just you know I, I guess search it because I don't think that they're not legal but but they're up there. <laughs> <laughs> Is anything really legal up there? We don't know. It doesn't matter. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. Thank Dan. That's such a great story. I can't wait yeah, for the cool. vampire show to come out too. That's exciting. Oh yeah. That's oh, yeah. Gonna be, it's going to be a good one. Yeah. So, but today we're here to talk about um, something not quite as uh, pop culture, but also the influence for all things pop culture. So before Dan and I have questions, we have thoughts, we have hot takes. We don't know though, because it's Kickstarter. So you're here to, to tell us about your new cool thing. This is not with Moonstone, right? This is with a different. No, well, it's, I'm publishing it with my own publishing company, but I'm also working with Crystal Lake Publishing. So after the we had, we had a lot of success with the other two Kickstarters I did. So I was figured, why not start my own publishing company and, 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 you know, do it on my own. Nice. And it's called Crystal Lake. Crystal Lake Publishing. Yeah. Which is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> we at the Pop Gorillas watched all of the movies for, for May. Cause it was the only, only month this year oh, right. with, with Friday the 13th. That's a, that's a tough sled as I'm sure, you know, to try to watch all of them in a row. <laughs> Yeah, that, that <laughs> I wouldn't recommend that. What is it? Dan had Dan did it last two years yes. ago. You did it, yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, a couple of years ago, I did a top five, and they were all available on Sky TV. Yeah. So I just Including I binged them all. Jason versus Freddy. Uh, I, you know what? I left that one off because I because I'd oh, okay. seen it. Uh, but I watched all of them up to I think up to Jason X. I watched because those are the the only two I'd seen was Jason X and and Freddy versus Jason. Well, I so think I'm, at least that. The hottest one to get through is probably the last, is the Jason in space. That's I love that one. That's my favorite. That's my favorite one. No, it's hands down. Jason X is my favorite one. Um, uh, yeah, Jason Five was the worst of the worst. Well, but, I think last year or the info, I went to Crystal, the actual Crystal Lake. Oh, in New Jersey. In Jersey, yeah. They I, I found out that they do tours, and they do tours pretty regularly. So if, if you 
And it, it was always near, like, uh, the, it's like near the Poconos. I always go to the Poconos. We didn't know. It was, it's, it's right there. So it's only like maybe like an hour and a half from, from my house. I'm going to be in New Jersey at the end of July. Now I know what I may do on a, if I've got some time. I'm going to be in Caldwell. How far will I be? Hmm. I'll do, I'll do some looking. So it's like, it's, it's a, right. yeah, well, that's exciting. So Crystal Lake Publishing, because obviously you're a horror guy. We see your stuff behind you. <laughs> so your, new, your newest thing, congratulations on st- launching your own publishing company. That's brilliant. So tell everybody what we're here to talk about and, um, and we'll go from there. And I, obviously we want to know who's involved. We want to know why. We want to know when. We want to know all, all this right. stuff. So the new Kickstarter is Shakespeare uh, Unleashed. So that's the second book uh, in the series. The first book was Classic Monsters Unleashed. So this time it's uh, horror stories based on Shakespeare. And we also have sonnets. So we have dark sonnets. Uh, and we got uh, Joe Lansdale. He's doing an original story. We got mm-hmm. Jonathan Mayberry. Uh, we got some of the people from Classic Monsters. We got some new people. I have to, I don't even know. But we got Ian, I don't, now I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but Ian Dosher or Duesher. He does, uh, for Quirk Books, he's done all these Shakespeare mashup books. So Yeah, I've uh, got, it, right, I, he did the uh, the Star Wars one. He's, he's done them all. He's yeah, done yeah. Star Wars, he's done even Deadpool. Uh, oh, and he did the um, uh, uh, much, uh, much Ado About Mean Girls. Yes, that yes. was great. That was that was my favorite one. Actually, I loved There's all the Shakespeare ones. I, I really enjoyed the Shakespeare ones, but the but the Mean Girls one that banged. I love that. That, <laughs> made, that was like it was crazy to see what he pulled off there because you're reading it and you know the story of Mean Girls, right? You know it and you know the play and you're like, what the hell? It was so good. I could see that being Shakespearean, though. Yeah, mean, it worked really, you know? really well. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I just got the Shakespeare Avengers uh, book. And oh, just, did he do that too? Yeah. Yeah. So I said, he, he's got to be part of this. So I just reached out to him. I didn't know him. And he was like, yeah, this, sound, this sounds awesome. So I was really happy to have him on board. Because uh, I wanted some people with some kind of Shakespearean experience. So uh, I thought that would, that would be really cool. Uh, I was trying, I wanted to get somebody who, who was a Shakespearean actor, maybe uh, to do the, the intro or something like that. I was thinking like maybe like I was thinking like Ian McKellen would have been cool. So Patrick Stewart, right? So somebody somebody who uh, who's known for Shakespeare, but also done like horror. Um, not that Patrick Stewart, but he, you know, I think Green Moon Room was probably horror. So I mean, but not that it's I could get that. Yeah, not, yeah. not that the, we we know like because we, we got Weston. He is doing an intro, but but yeah. it would have been cool to get. But he teaches uh, Shakespeare, so he he's oh. a horror writer. And uh, he's also he's a he, he's a teacher and he's always taught Shakespeare. So I said, all right, um, because I'm not I'm a fan of Shakespeare, but I'm I'm not a Shakespeare uh, expert. <laughs> so don't hit me with those <laughs> <laughs> oh. Shakespeare questions. Well, I, I mean, well, <laughs> I, I think that most obvious question though is, I mean, there is. Shakespeare horror, right, Dan? It makes perfect sense because there's tons of fantastical elements in there. I mean, mm. Macbeth, our fav- my favorite. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. There's, you know, you yeah. can't get away from it. When when I when I was at uni, we had uh, my old director has just done a TED talk on uh, on Shakespeare and on acting, and he works for the RSC, so the Royal Shakespeare Company. So he is the guy to talk to, the guy to listen to. And I look, I was lucky to have him as a as a tutor. 
And his version, we did A Midsummer Night's Dream, I played Oberon. And he wanted the kind of the romantic characters to have it be very kind of, um, uh, what's the word, uh, kind of those, um, what the, I can't remember the phrase, kind of, uh, it's it's gone. Um, but <laughs> my 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 part of it, my part of it. It's kind of those kind of wacky kind of early days. Catherine Hepburn kind of those kind of you know uh, again screwball comedies, screwball comedies. Yes, that's it. Um, and then they want he wanted us to be inspired by the Universal monsters. So <clears throat> as 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 Oberon, I, my look. Obviously, I've got quite. A big head. I've got. I'm bald, and they went. Oh, you got. You're very expressive with your hands as well. So they went. Right, you're Nosferatu. Oberon is Nosferatu, and I've shown pictures before of me doing it. The fairies became these undead wenches. Um, Puck became this half goat person, yet mummy, yet Frankenstein's monster type thing. And Titania, or Titania, as he liked to say, uh, he she became the she became the bride of. Frankenstein, because that's where her power is. It's in her tits. Uh, he was very expressive, and very, very <laughs> passionate. Um, he's a he's great, amazing guy. You know, he's still doing stuff. Uh, and yeah, I'll, I'll see if I can find that TED talk. I'll send you the link, Tony, and we'll maybe put it in the show yeah. notes. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, you know, Macbeth has ghosts in it. Hamlet has a ghost in it. You know, there's so much kind of gothic horror elements even in and if you look at something like um bloody titus andronicus it's brutal and horrific and there's horrible stuff going on which is you know and that is pure realistic real horror or even romeo and juliet to a degree is quite horrific you know young kids falling in love causing a war and then killing themselves at the end you know dying and that was the one thing that brought the families together you know that's kind of you know, it's, everyone's like, "Oh, Romeo and Juliet," and they're like, "Do you remember how that ends?" <laughs> <laughs> pretty, pretty bloody, pretty dark, pretty brutal. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think it's a wonderful melding and a wonderful idea to kind of just up the ante. And I think you know, and we're obviously it's Shakespeare unleashed, so there's no holding <laughs> back from what from what I can tell and from what I've read in the Kickstarter. Uh, I can't wait. It sounds amazing. I agree. What was so all of that? I say everything that Dan said. I'll say not okay. But what do you? I agree. So, so right. So when, when you when you came to this, all of that is there. Was there any one in particular that you were hoping for? Were you as the editor directing them and like you got to do this one, or were you like pitch me which one you want to do? And then was it like a first season, or you're going to be like, well, we're going to do two Hamlets. You know, but no Richards because nobody wants to do although Richard the third is a fucking ghost story in and of itself. So like what is your what was your approach there and which ones you wanted to cover? Um, well, I wanted to cover all the major ones and but I just, you know, sent out the list and said, you know, pick whatever, you know, play you wanna to do. So I I wasn't really directing them that. I, I only said, you know, make it horror. Don't don't do a parody mm. because even with like classic monsters unleashed, um, when we got submissions, there was a tendency for a lot of people just to do kind of like jokey, uh, you know, uh, versions of the, the universal movie. So I didn't really want that. So as long as it was serious horror and uh, Shakespeare, I was fine with it. Um, I did want uh, a zombie Romeo and Juliet, and I didn't get that. So then I wrote it myself. <laughs> nice. And, and that's in the comic. So I was like, no one did. Well, we had someone had 
pick Romeo and Juliet, but then then dropped out before the Kickstarter. I was like, we have to have Romeo and Juliet in there. So then when we decided to do a comic book as well, I said, all right, uh, I'll, I'll do the, the zombie Romeo and Juliet. And uh, and I had an idea. So I was like, OK, I'll do it. Um, but then we have Richard III, uh, David Avalone in the comic, too. He did a he did a vampire Richard oh, III story. See, so, that makes nice. perfect sense too. that fucking bastard should show himself in the light of day you miserable fuck you richard um that's awesome i actually kind of love him as a vampire that really makes perfect sense to me um so what is which ones are in the comics and which ones are in the book in the you know no comic so right now the the comic and it's gonna be a manga sized comic uh we have about 20 22 pages we have three stories in it david avalone did the richard the third story um I did the the Romeo and Juliet, and then I did a a, a very short story based on um, the stage direction uh, exit pursued by a bear. So I, I I did a little story about you know what happens after uh, the bear pursues uh, Antigonus. Nice. That's and then nice. I'm hoping we're gonna we'll probably add to that uh, uh, if we hit a stretch goal. So uh, I, I might t- even take uh, submissions for for comic book stories. Oh, hmm. and that would be that would be open to ones that aren't already covered in the book, or they could be the same. No, they can be the same. Yeah, because the stories are the stories can be told. That's the point. Yeah, in the comic, well, we, uh, I was a little bit more open to being a little more uh, humorous because I think it lent itself a little bit more to the, to the comic. So, as long as it's still bloody and 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 horror, it's fine. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, but I'm considering like a, that's a separate thing too. Some people just bought the comic, so they you know they weren't uh, as interested in the pro. Some people, you know, you know, comic book readers. Some of them we are, are like, comic book readers. I'm not yeah. gonna, I'm not going to read all that pros. <laughs> I want I want pictures with my story. So <laughs> we got we got something for, for for both. Yeah, I ordered the whole. I ordered the big one, the big Kahuna that gets me both. Because I want both. I need it all. Popular tier. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's very cool. So what um, in the horror story, so this is, this is where our Shakespearean actor will come into play a little bit here too, James, is the, the language, the language matters. So we can't, we can't talk Shakespeare if we don't talk language. So before you came on, we were, we were snapping our fingers and rat-a-tat-tatting <laughs> and iambic pentameter. So what is your, what, what is your direction there? Um, obviously the guy who writes all the quirk books, he's got it. He knows how to do it. I'm assuming his is written in that way. Was yeah. that a requirement? Or was that not a requirement? No. How, how are you handling that stuff? No, I, I didn't want to, you know, I, I didn't want to scare people off. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think some, some people passed on it because they were like, oh, I'm not too familiar with Shakespeare. And I think it was maybe a little intimidating because they felt like, oh, I have to, um, like my pro is going to have to be at that level. And I was like, no, I mean, you know, uh, the sonnet. So yes, you have to, you know, write it in um i mean if you can get away with it without it being an iambic pentameter for the sonnet but it's still got to be a sonnet it's got still got to be 14 lines you know your, your what is it three uh stanzas and then a couple of that, yeah. that that form but the the short story uh, the short stories if it doesn't you know i don't want it to have to be um you know in verse um, so, but a lot of people, you know, are, are kind of just kind of like leaning towards like a little, little bit more like, uh, elevated language. Um, with the comic, 
David Avalone did a really good job. He where he made it. He didn't do it in um, Pentameter, but the language is definitely Shakespearean. Mm. You know, so he, I in my comment, I try to do as little uh, dialogue as possible. <laughs> but he has a lot of dialogue, and it, and it works. So so I, I left that up to them, and uh, and so far all the stories um, are really good. And because um, like well. I, I figure we'll probably get to this, but Tom Stoppard's Rosencrantz and Gillen's Are Dead was a big influence on me and, and on this project. And I just watched it again last night. And when uh, Tim Roth and uh, Gary Oldman are talking, they're not talking. When they're outside of the, 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 of the Hamlet events, they're not talking in, in like Shakespearean language. It's very plain. Although it's, it doesn't feel like an- anachronistic, though. Right. So they, they made they made that work, but they they are they they do speak in like in plain language. I love that Dan and I have actually discussed. Is that a Hamlet adaptation? My argument is yes, that it is. It's probably I, I love Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. It <laughs> I is. I love that. Yeah. I, I was going to ask, and like, how far have you? Obviously, these are unique takes and and wild and unusual takes on Shakespeare. Have you gone like? Have you done like a, a you know a Rosencrantz and Guildenstern when you've taken you know a couple of minor characters and and followed an adventure off onto into the wild unknowns? Uh, while not sticking, you know, doggishly, dogmatically to the Shakespeare stories. Yeah, I mean, we we are we actually are doing. I think there might be two people doing Rosencrantz and, and Guildenstern uh, takes. So yeah, I mean, it's it, it's going to be a variety of stuff. Uh, even um, like Joe Lansdale's story is going to be uh, a, it's going to be a modern uh, setting. Oh. but there's it's going to be about uh, a production of. Macbeth. Oh, very clever. Nice, clever. Where I think things go really wrong, and yeah. um, the yeah. play is the thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> the play is the thing to catch the king. I. That's the thing. Like Macbeth is supposed to be well. <laughs> well, he would know better, but like you're right, you're not supposed to say Macbeth in a theater. Mm. You're supposed to call it the Scottish play, and then it's mm. and, and the play is cursed. So, so that even like even the production of a uh, of Macbeth lend itself very well to uh, a horror story. Mm. So is it all, I mean, because when you think horror, everybody has different types of horror that they love, right? And so, because Shakespeare's horror is all psychological, and I think, um, you know, the horror of Hamlet, you can say it's the ghost, you can say it's whatever, it's how Ophelia is treated, that's the horror, right? Mm-hmm. The, the true psychological gaslighting and beatdown of this girl, this poor girl, and, you know, to me, that's the horror story, and, and mostly how a lot of the women are treated, writ large, uh, except for Beatrice, pretty shitty um like and the horror the horror at the end of taming of the shrew is that it ends the way that it ends fuck you god damn it i loved kate until act five so how much of that is at play like those kinds of psychological horror versus because you said you wanted to be bloody bloody but there is a lot of psychological like because some of the best horrors are things where it's is it where you're like unsane did you see that with claire foy where like Nothing. I mean, people die in that, but it's mostly like, is this all in her head? And we don't know. And that movie is scary as shit. So how much, how much of it is that? Or did, because I know you said you want it to be super bloody, or are you going for strict body horror and there's got to be a werewolf? Well, with that, like I said, I, I leave it up to the to the writers to do their thing. Um, and I and I only seen maybe like four or five of the stories so far. 
and yeah, there's some psychological horror. Um, I mean, we're not going as far as like maybe like maybe with the classic monsters, it, it was more that like where the it was more like the monster and, and it wasn't psychological, it was like it was just like a, an outside threat. But I think we, we will probably see more of that uh, um, deeper type of horror with, with Shakespeare. It, it, you know, it lent itself well to that. But you will we'll probably also just have, you know, like a you know, a monster chasing around Hamlet, I'm sure, too. <laughs> that will also be fine. Yeah. No, I think it, you need the variety, yeah. right? I mean, because you're making a collection. You don't want it to be one note. Yeah, because that, that and that sometimes becomes a, a problem for some readers because with, with Classic Monsters, we, we really, it was a very eclectic collection. And we, we, we did all types of versions of those Classic Monster stories. So some stories were sequels, some were prequels, some, some, um, we went much further, like as a reimagination, and uh, so the problem with uh, a collection is that you, you, you're never going to please everyone. And then, and there were like thirty stories in there, so, so mm -hmm. people were like, well, you know, most of the stories were good, but some. And then they'll focus on like the two that they didn't like in the review. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, I mean, that's, that's, that's that's like it's any horror anthology, isn't it? Like be it a movie, be it a TV show, what have you. Like yeah. that's I kind of like short form horror because it gets to the point a bit snappier. You know, there's not all these like lengthy lengthy chases or people hiding. You know, it builds attention, things come out, things happen and then we're off. And then like you said, if you don't like the last one, there's going to be one you like. So that's the that's the benefit of yes. of horror anthology. Um, did, did any kind of horror anthologies kind of inspire you or do you, you know, with the variety of the, you know, obviously one story is, is that the next one, you know, going to be very vastly different and in a whole different direction? How do you order those stories in the way that you do? Yeah, that's tough because like there's always like um, that question. It's like, how, how do you order them? And, and there's, there's no science to that. I mean, I just kind of play it like, like kind of like a music album. You know, kind of by mood, and I, I try to just maybe mix them up. You know, in in, in um, you know, I don't want two similar stories together. You want like your strongest stories to be the first story and and the last, and and I try to mix them up um, according to like length. So if the really long story, maybe you know, follow that up with a shorter story. Um, but I'm sure if you gave you know ten editors the same stories, they they would order them all all differently. Um, but I like to try to, yeah, it's just like, I try, I try to go by mood and, and, and all those other things. And then, and then you just kind of like, so, okay, this, this works, you know, but I don't know if people like, like, like that's what the like, like music albums kind of like people will like used to listen to them from beginning to end. And I, I don't think anyone does that anymore. So I think we're like Spotify where you just listen to songs. So like the album as a, as like a concept or as like a, a one thing is kind of dead. So I don't, I don't know if people read anthologies necessarily from beginning to end. They might say, oh, this is my, one of my favorite authors. So they might jump to that one. So even like your ordering might, might kind of be, you know, uh, meaningless, especially on a, on a, a Kindle, because you can then just go to each, each story. So I don't, I, I mean, I'm not saying it's not important, the ordering, but you at least should order it as if someone's going to read it from beginning to end. But I know I don't always necessarily read it, you know, from beginning to end, and I, I, I pick around. And I think, too, with a collection, the thing that I, it's interesting you say that, though, before I ramble on to this thing. So a couple of the other guys on the Comics and Motion Network and I, we've actually started a monthly show. It's called Mandatory Music and CD, where we do this. We listen to an entire album for a month. 
And then we get together for a couple hours and we talk about it track by track in order. It has been, I've always, I still buy music. I'm, you know, I, I want to have the music still, even if right. it's just a download. So I appreciate what you're saying, but to that end, still there's some songs you're like, that one sucks. Skip. Like, I right. mean, Rumors is a near perfect album, but every time <laughs> Oh Daddy comes on, I skip it. <laughs> fuck that song. I hate that yeah. song. Right. I mean, right. So, yeah. the, so to that end though, with all of that in mind, the, the order of the way that, that you're going to put things in, did you consider, um, and I know you don't want it to be too jokey, so don't take this this way, but like you do, you're going to have comic book artists involved because there's this double thing. Did you think about maybe like a Shakespearean crypt keeper kind of to introduce the stories or introduce the sections? Is that, is that, was that ever on the table? Cause I could just think a collection like this would be super cool. You know, I'm so glad Dan asked that we didn't plan our, we didn't know what we were going to ask. So my thought is, Ooh, is there going to be a Shakespeare? Like I could just see it. Cause I know I, you know, cause I know what, what some of your right. artists are. Is that an idea or is that stupid? You can just say that's stupid. I would never do that too. That's <laughs> no, awesome. I, I, didn't, I didn't think of that. Yeah. Um, that, that, that would be cool. I always love that. I love, always love the, uh, the horror host, you know, so that would be cool. Uh, but the, the, the comic book came much later because uh, mm. originally I was just going to do um, an eight page story and then I was going to insert that into the, the prose anthology. Um, but when I went to the printer and got a quote, they said it would be like like a thousand bucks just to insert the 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 pages. So when I looked, uh, I saw I could do like a manga sized comic, and I can print. I think I can print like a thousand copies for a thousand bucks. But oh, I would shit. then get about twenty two pages or twenty four pages out of it. So I was like, oh, if I do separately, then I can I can do a lot more comics. I'm not just stuck with with the uh, the eight with the eight, eight pages. So I was like, oh, let's do a separate one. That'd be cool. And it's always nice to, to, um, to offer more stuff, uh, you know, through the Kickstarter. Uh, and I knew, um, you know, after Colcheck that I had a lot of people following me who were into comics and only into comics. So I said, okay, let's, let's do the, the separate uh, comic book. And uh, so, but that was like something I was like, maybe like we, we decided on like maybe like like two months before we were going to do the Kickstarter. So I was like, we got to really scramble now because we got to get artwork done. We got to get scripts done. Uh, so we did it. And then we had almost all the stories are done and um, they look great. And then and there's there are four pages on on the campaign page uh, that you can see. Um, but, yeah, that came a little later uh, in, in, into the game, which happens usually almost well. So far, all my Kickstarters, it's always like, it's like two weeks before the Kickstarter, I go, oh man, this would be a great idea. Let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> and then we try to do it. So you try to plan these things out because Shakespeare, um, the idea for it was I had uh, like in the middle of Classic Monsters uh, campaign back in um, March, March of last year. So we were planning it for over a year. But it was all like I said, but, but it's always a couple of weeks before they get like the really good ideas. And then it's like, well, let's, let's, let's do this and let's do that. So then it was like, oh, let's we had to get artists and oh, we had to get, you know, writers in there and, and try to get scripts. For it. And then, as you know, that's not like something that you can do really quickly, especially with artists, you know, things sometimes. They got a lot, right. They got to take your time. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you want yeah. them to because you want it to look, you know, you want it to look good. Um, they were on board and they said, yeah, this sounds like a cool project. And they did it and then they did it quickly. Yeah, that's awesome. What do you think of of um, is there going to be an audio version of the of the prose? There's a, you know you there's a way to get your Shakespearean actors involved. 
actually I just sent the proposal to the, the audiobook uh, company. So that that happened during the uh, Classic Monsters campaign. We got an audiobook deal. Oh, with, with uh, Blackstone Audio. Oh, nice. That's a big one. So uh, the audiobook for Classic Monsters is coming out uh, July twelfth. Um, so we, uh, so I said, you know, so I sent them the proposal for this one. I was like, well, we got another one. Uh, <laughs> so hopefully they, they bite on that one and, uh, we can do the audiobook for, for Shakespeare. So that'd be, that'd be really cool. I mean, I think it's, well, because it's, even though, like you said, you're not, it's not, except for the one guy, it's not all going to be written in Shakespearean language, but as you know, the language you've already acknowledged, the language matters and the language of a horror comic matters too. And I think, I think, and Dan is, I've never, other than reading them aloud in class, I've never performed it. I've never got to say it to people and have them react. So I will, I will hear what Dan has to say on this too. But the idea, James, that there's a, there's a beauty to the language here and that this is, I almost think, it's, I'm, I hope they listen, Blackstone Audio. I'm sure you're big listeners to Indie Comic Spotlight, but listen, you need to do this because to me, yeah. That is the most important thing. And that was going to be one of the questions I had was as the editor, and I know these are all professional, these are these are writers. This is not like you're like getting schlubs from people who are sleeping outside your house. But what I'm saying is, <laughs> is there is there a line there where you're like, look, I know it doesn't have to be Shakespearean, but this isn't elevated enough. I know you said you don't want it to be jokey, but like that power of the language, how important is that to you? No, it's definitely important. And um you know that that's another uh, danger of doing the anthologies and, and, and inviting people to do it because then you're you're hoping and trusting that uh, that when they you know they they get the assignment you know so because uh, they don't want to go back to like these New York Times bestsellers and go no 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 you got it wrong <laughs> 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 I mean we had a couple issues with with classic monsters where that happened and then we had to try to work with it and and and, and change what we could change um, with that but yeah. That that, and um, we we are gonna have an open submissions for Shakespeare. So, on the one hand, I, I am a little worried about what I'm gonna get. I'm gonna have to like you know muck through a lot of probably bad uh, you know Shakespeare uh, <laughs> uh, impersonations, you know. And uh, so, so I'm probably it's gonna you know you, you get some you get some interesting stuff in the slush pile. <laughs> so this one is probably going to be very interesting to see what, what people do, uh, you know, with, with Shakespeare Unleashed. I'm not completely looking forward to it. But, uh... <laughs> so you hire an intern. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do need an intern because it's, it's, it's a lot of work. And uh, that's that, that's probably one of the, yeah, that, that going through the slush. I mean, we got over 600 um, submissions with, with Classic Monsters and that took like it took several months and we did have a team of readers. We had about, I think we had like nine or 10 readers and it still wasn't enough because we couldn't really get through. Uh, it. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it was like, I had to read uh, on my own. So it becomes a lot, a lot of work, which a lot of, a lot of people don't do that. They won't open up submission, but I think that's important to do because uh, you know, uh, you do find some of the best stories in classic monsters we found through the, the submissions and you don't know what you're going to get. Uh, you know, most of it isn't great, but then there's always like like a, a couple of gems that you'll find, but but it, but it, you have to really sort through a, a you know a lot of like mediocre. So I wouldn't say there's a couple of them that would be like really terrible, but most of them are are okay. That that you know, and it's like maybe they're just maybe just a little boring or or, or something. 
but you, you most the majority of them are, are, are fine and even are probably even publishable um i was i was gonna say um like the, the, I think you. I think you. You've said already that you already feel the kind of pressure from uh, these Shakespeare aficionados or these these nerds. You know, my my director used to say that there were there are people in the audience who will literally have their complete works of Shakespeare open and are literally <laughs> line by line watching you. Yeah. So, like, and I was saying to Tony before we started. With Shakespeare as an actor, there's, a, again, an amazing amount of pressure to get it right. And I think there is a responsibility as well for Shakespeare and the, the legacy he has in, in storytelling in general to, to give your best um, to an audience and to present that work as best you can. You know, you, you, there's no improvising in Shakespeare. You can't, you can't kind of get out of it. You got to know that stuff and you got to do it. And I, and I personally, I'm not a massive fan of doing monologues. I, I prefer it where there's a bit of back and forth. So doing Oberon was really hard for me because <laughs> it is all monologues. Almost every line is a monologue. I'm like, oh, talking about this Indian boy again and all this other stuff and oh how beautiful the seasons are changing oh you know all this and again it was you know it, it, I found that terrifically kind of difficult I remember like a few nights before I was like reciting my lines we we're doing like a line run and uh, my director was like well that's wrong Dan that's wrong that's wrong why are you putting that word there what's going on and I was you know I was absolutely bricking it but you know that that conditioning and that pressure kind of did make a bit of a diamond out of me. And people came up to me and were like, this is the best thing I've ever seen stuff. And like, really like blowing up my head, my head became even bigger than it already is uh, <laughs> through ego alone. Um, but yeah, there is, there is no kind of, you know, and, and I love that you're putting in so much effort and you care, you genuinely care that you want to do the best possible job. Um, and again, there is a responsibility and there's a care and, uh, I love your passion, the way you've talked about it. Um, I, I, I think you are absolutely the man for this job and, and I can't wait to read it myself. It was a little intimidating and scary to take on Shakespeare, but you know what? I was actually more, more afraid of the Kolchak fans. Kolchak fans would roll you in an alley. Shakespeare fans might throw a tomato. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, well, Shakespeare, it's, you know, it's, only, it's 400 years old and, and everyone has done their interpretation of Shakespeare. So you can say, all right, this is our interpretation. But you can't do that in <laughs> Kolchak. You're like, no, this didn't happen. So, as you know, uh, we did a story where, where uh, Kim Newman did his, he, he basically rewrote the end of um, The Night Stalker. So I put up like uh, some pages and uh, people loved them. There were a couple of people like, this didn't happen in the Night Stalker. I said, I know this is off. This is an alternate <laughs> ending to the Night Stalker. It, it's different, but, but no, it didn't happen. It said, um, you know, um, <laughs> you're like is, none of it happened, sir. It's not canon. It's not canon. Said, well, the vampire he never spoke oh in, in the Night Stalker. I says yes, but well, Kim Newman's story is called you know interview with. Night Stalker. Yeah. It's about him giving his interview and finally, you know, giving his side of the story to Kolchak. And said, well, well, he didn't speak in the in in the in in you know in the TV movie. So 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 there was that. So they were there there are some of those fans who were like, no, do not change anything with with Kolchak. So I, I, I and I feel like the, the, you know the Shakespeare folks 
would give us a little bit more room. Well, <laughs> uh, I you go down. Yeah. Well, I was going to say what you were probably what you were going to say, uh, Tony, which you know Shakespeare has so many wild different interpretations and wild different takes. You know, we've had three different bloody cinematic Spider-Man. I think people can understand that we do different interpretations and different universes and different continuities. You know, I think we're quite used to this now. And I think even within, you know, a Shakespeare play, like I did uh, Macbeth, I was Banquo Macbeth. And the way they dressed me was that I was a motorcycle enthusiast. And when I die, it's because um, they've messed with my motorcycle and I, come off the motorcycle and when I come back to the feast I'm wearing a, a motorcycle helmet and I'm to the side and then when I turn to Macbeth it's smashed open there's blood and I'm like I'm like a pale ghost so that was our like interpretation and the witches were prostitutes and it was like we're in you know a modern army modern gear you know and again there's weirder that's that's a pretty basic weird interpretation of Shakespeare there's weirder and wilder ones all over the place so I think there is I think there like you said there is an openness there's not like you know it's not a comic book fan or a cold check fan where it's like this is this happened and nothing else is is real or there's no other possibilities ever i think you will that audience is more open to different new takes on shakespeare definitely yeah i and that was actually because yeah. one of the questions i had was because you're doing an interpretation so this this bleeds right into it and so this is just for personal preference because dan and i are going to do this we're going to do our top five shakespearean adaptations not straight adaptations so that's my question Jim. like you're you, you're a shakespeare fan you said you're not you wouldn't consider yourself an expert I, the thing is about that shakespearean expert hard to know what that is like my college one of my professors at college dr Krupe, he literally wrote books on shakespeare that other colleges used right he didn't use them because he's like you don't need to buy my book i'm standing here in front of you but other schools should buy my book so but again he would even acknowledge well this is me this is my take on it i've studied it my whole life and here's how i want to go about it and this dark this deep reading of you know King Lear and all this other stuff. And we've seen, you know, like King Lear, we've seen that done and redone, like the sisters and the, and then the three sisters. And, the, you know, there's like all these retellings. So what's your favorite, James? Like when, I mean, the idea of doing Shakespeare Unleashed, I get it. And I'm excited about this, but like there's, there's, you know, we always, we do our comic book origin story. So what's your Shakespeare origin story? How did you come to this? How did you get to be a fan? And what is your favorite take? Well, I was in high school. It was my senior year in high school, and uh, I was assigned Hamlet to read. Um, I wasn't the, the greatest student, uh, even though I love reading in books. I often, uh, when I was assigned the book, I didn't read it, and then I would just maybe read the back of the book or, or, or watch <laughs> the, the movie. Cliff's Notes and version. Then, yeah, yeah. And then, well, it's before the internet, so I couldn't Google anything or, or just go on the Wikipedia. So I was just, I'll just read the back of the book. And I would sometimes get away with it. <laughs> That's a bad uh, and I would read on. I would read on my own. So, uh, but I often when when was assigned, I wouldn't read it. But but I had screwed up in school so badly that my senior year, if I didn't pass every class, I was gonna I wasn't gonna graduate. So I did buckle down. So in, in English, um, we were assigned just two books for the, for the entire term. It was uh, Hamlet and uh, A Brave New World. Oh, bangers! Which of course comes from uh, Hamlet to the title. Right. Um, so they, they gave us the books on Friday. And uh, I went through both books by Sunday night. I loved it. I it was like I was just fascinated by like Hamlet, at the, you know, and Hamlet has many great lines. And my favorite scene is, is uh, you know, the one with, with Hamlet and Rosa Katz Gillenstern. But there's so many great lines in that, too. 
Uh, but then I get to class on Monday, and then I find out we're going to read each book in class. And that's the only two books we're going to read for the whole term. So, like, we're, gonna, we're doing, like, one page a day, basically. And it was, like, brutal. Because, like, I just, you know, I was being, like, a nerd. And I, was re I read the books already. I was done. And, and, of course, no one else in the class had read, like, anything. It was like, well, you know, I don't even know why they give you the books. So I had to go through like, sitting there as we go and like, you know, you know, each like, okay, you read a paragraph, you read a paragraph. Eventually I started bringing in my own novels and I'm reading those. Class. <laughs> I became like super nerd, you know, book nerd at that time. But uh, it was then I, I, and I love Brave New World too. So that really, I, I was, so it was really that class where it was like, really got my love for like, like science fiction and, and also for, for, um, for Shakespeare and, and around that time. And it, I was just, I just Googled it. And it's funny because I know that the same month that I was assigned Hamlet, it was the same uh, month that Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead came out. Ugh, the movie Although version. I didn't see it at the time. I saw yeah, yeah. it probably a few years later, but it was 19, 1991. I think it was like, like February or March. So it was like my, the second term had just started. So I, I got Hamlet and then that movie came out. And then I saw that a couple years later. And then I was like, oh, this is amazing. So I, I saw the movie first and then I read, the Tom Stoppard's play. So that was really, I thought that was just like, like amazing. It was probably like the first time I saw something like that, where like you took two characters from a, from like a well-known play or work. And then just, you know, said, well, they have a life. So let's, let's see what their life is within, you know, uh, the events of this other, uh, of the story that we all know. And I just thought that was fascinating. And then I, I you know, then I, I, you know, when I got into conflict, I got into Alan Moore and He's always doing stuff like that, and so I was always fascinated by that, like, like taking these these iconic characters and 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 giving them a life, you know, beyond uh, you know the stories that we know. So I was always kind of thinking about doing something with Shakespeare from because I thought like Rosencrantz that's like one of the coolest ideas. Like I wish I, I mean I can't write like Tom Stoppard, but man, that's like the coolest idea. And I was like, I, that's like something like oh, I wish I I, had, you know, thought of that, and so this is my way of like doing that. Uh, but I just thought that was so cool. So those, those are probably the two things that really got me into it. And then I just started reading, you know, cause then I graduated high school on time. Congratulations. And, uh, we graduated the same year. It sounds like 91 <laughs> class of 91. Yes. Class of yes 91. me too. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I, I, I even failed gym before. Wow. Well, because I didn't go, it was like, they, <laughs> they, they, uh, they gave me gym first, you know, first, first class of, of the day and there's no way I just kept missing it <laughs> you know I uh, you know I just had to show up and basically play handball but I couldn't do that so then my my last term they gave me two gyms oh they, they took away my my lunch period <laughs> it made you go make up your missing gym <laughs> yeah. course so I had two gyms they gave me independent study and they just said all right we're gonna load you up but you better pass everything and uh, that's like yeah okay I, I guess I gotta I gotta read all the books and things. but luckily <laughs> that it, it worked out so it, you know it became like a really important you know like a like period in my life and actually you know so so you know like the message to the kids like to read the books and uh do the work and then it'll pay off yeah for sure <laughs> i and i too i mean dan and i've talked about it before too rosacrest and guild that it is brilliant tom stoppard is a genius um there's no doubt about it he wrote shakespeare in love too didn't he yeah you know, he also like like a, a script doctor. I think he actually wrote worked on like the Spider Man uh, scripts. I know he worked on um, Indiana Jones three. What you think? Oh, Tom Stoppard, but yeah, he he he's worked on a lot of uh, big like uh, Hollywood blockbusters as well. 
Hmm. Well, that's how that's Dorothy Parker ended up doing it too. So did Faulkner. You got to make your money somewhere. Hmm. Nobody's reading your books. You might as well, might as well go out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Spe- speaking of uh, screenwriters and Shakespeare and stuff, uh, David Mamet he writes in iambic pentameter. So Glen Gary, Glen Ross is all in iambic pentameter. That rhythm is all the way through that play and that movie. That's also one of my favorite movies. Well, and and Mamet, all this, he keeps coming up in everything I do. And I know he said some stupid shit recently, but boy, can that (laughs) dude write. And it is true though. And I think one of my favorite things about Shakespeare and what I'm keen to see James is when we get, and we'll get, I know we're almost out of time. So you got to tell us all the cool shit we can get. But one of my things I'm most looking forward to is, is the stuff Dan and I were talking about before it started is the rat-a-tat language is what people plays are all dialogue. It's all just people talking and what Shakespeare managed to do best. And the reason that I think, and this is the question I think I have for both of you is why does he, before James can tell us all the cool shit we can get, why does he, I think it's the dialogue and you, man, that is the perfect, um, you know, pair to that, Dan. I think it's the dialogue. It's the, it's the way that the people talk. It feels like they're really talking. People always say Hemingway captured how people talked. No, he did not. He captured the way a lot of boring people talked. And so, and it may be true to life, but it's almost like that's not very fun <laughs> to just sit and listen to regular people talk, you know, because even here in this, we're just regular people talking, but we're having a conversation as opposed to, uh, hold on, can you come back and let me look at the menu? That's boring bullshit. So to me, that's what makes Shakespeare endure is is we connect to those characters because they sound, even though we don't necessarily always understand the language and people are like, it's so hard. But to me, it's that it's the it's the realness and the the way the, the characters are what endure for me. So I'm curious what you guys, Dan and then James, what do you think makes it endure? Why is it, why is it here now, 400 years later, James is putting together a Shakespeare thing. <laughs> and it's, and it's so what well, you guys hit your goal, like in 70 minutes or something. So, I mean, obviously it matters. So Dan, what do you think yeah. makes it endure? I, I think it is, I think there's a, the, it's, it's a lot, it is the writing. I think you're absolutely correct. I think it is the writing I think, again, it is that iambic pentameter, that rhythm. Again, that rhythm creates that inner life. Like It's meant to imitate the beating of the character's heart. That is the lifeblood of these plays, is the characters and the situations they find themselves in. And, and again, the... Obviously, there's all these kind of he, you know, he describes these very grand ideas, and look, we're here, and we're we're in the moors of Scotland, or we're in this, and we're you know, we're in we're in Verona, wherever you know. But deep down, it's the characters, it's their life, it's their the complication of their desires, what they want. You know, all of his work is inspired by Greek theatre, which is arguably where storytelling was really, you know founded if you will like we've always had storytelling but they kind of went this is it this is the thing uh the play is the thing and and that's and that is exactly what comes out these relationships but there's there's also the subtext as well and the language is so beautiful and and unique and like you said he writes sonnets he writes just sonnets he doesn't have to write plays it's still gorgeous language still has life in it and you know you've you've felt these things before, you recognize these things. Again, I was saying before with Tony that you know there's some of this we can't actively even translate anymore. So that's the actor's job. And again, he wrote for actors. He didn't write, he wasn't the, the screenplay guy, he wasn't writing to 
give it and sell it to a director or anything. He was writing so he could communicate to the actors what he needed and what they were to say. Again, like Tony was saying, they've been edited, they've been changed, they've been altered, much like the Bible. It happens, and you know Shakespeare had his hand in that as well. Uh, but it's <laughs> it's uh, it's in, it's important, like, and it's important to we like we still use these words, like it is our language. Shakespeare invented half of our words, you know, English the English language. So, you know, talk about influence to have such um, just profound influence on the world at large and storytelling at large. And I think it is down to the writing, be it the situations, the drama, the tragedy, the comedy. Like the comedy still works. Even hundreds of years later, the comedy is still relevant. There's some comedians now that, you know, have been probably cancelled for stuff they've said 10 years ago. But this still works. And it's I, I genuinely think it's truly a magical thing. It's like you're in a, like I've said this, I think I sent this to Tony to tell his class. Yeah, I, I wrote a little thing and I said that it's like you're an archaeologist and you're unearthing and communicating what these people felt at this time and communicating that to a modern audience. And again, there is a responsibility and there is a power to that. And the fact that it still works hundreds of years later is a testament to that work. Agreed. James, and so here we are. You would get the last word on this and then you can tell us all the cool shit. What, why, why? What, I mean, again, you told us you had this amazing experience in high school. So now, you know, these years later, we're the same age. So that was not last week. Um, I know how old we are. So, so uh, okay. <laughs> why, you know, why, why does he still endure? Why does he stick with you? And why, why do you think this is the, this is the time for this? Like Dan said, I mean, it, it's part of our language and so many of the, the now they're cliches, but we, we, we're using these these uh, phrases like every day, like just like like dead as a doornail, um, you know, that's Shakespeare. So, I mean, even if you don't know anything about Shakespeare, you're still, you are using his language and he is an influence on you. Um, but one thing I was also saying to like a lot of the writers, they're like, oh, I don't have an idea for this story or, or you know, Shakespeare. And I was like, yeah, but if you wrote a romance you probably you're taking from Romeo and Juliet. And if you're writing like a revenge tale, you're probably taking from, from like Macbeth. Um, Cause this is like kind of, the, this is like the foundation of like Western literature is in Shakespeare. Um, so that was kind of the template of almost every uh, type of story uh, that we're doing today. So, I mean, you are rewriting Shakespeare anyway. Um, so it was like, well, don't get, you know, too intimidated by, by Shakespeare because it's, it's, it's he's like the foundation of, of our stories today, our, of our language. So he, he just had a ridiculous uh, influence like that, that no single writer, although we are, we're assuming that Shakespeare wrote these plays and that he's still. Oh, oh, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't like this take. <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I'm assuming that he, he did. But I'm saying is that it's it an amazing, you know, body of work and, and, um, you know, anyone working like, you know, uh, as a writer today, uh, you know, in, in the Western world, owes a, a huge, you know, uh, you know, that's a gratitude to, to Shakespeare. I mean, we, we probably wouldn't be doing this. And, and I think at that time, you know, Shakespeare was like a Marvel cinematic universe, you know, and I don't they, they weren't seeing this as like elevated language. They, they understood it. And uh, it had sword fights and it had witches and it had ghosts that he, he played to, you know, the uh, 
the lower class people too. And, and it had like dirty jokes in it that we, we don't get today and all that stuff. Fall so staff is one giant dirty joke. That's all he is. <laughs> yeah. If I can like, like, like if you wanted to play it to kids, like, like he was like the Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Of his day basically. Cause he was, he, he you know, he was just as bloody as, as Quentin Tarantino. And it was great storytelling. It wasn't like this kind of boring, um, uh, academic you know uh, work it, it, that it was made to to entertain people and that's why we could see it not only just like it's like a straight ad- adaptation but you know west side story is it's just a ripoff of uh shakespeare and and now we're seeing west side story done again so you can do it that way too so like a lot of those stories are templates uh for like romance or or revenge or tragedy and that so yeah, I mean the the influence that he had is is insane. So I mean, and and then one of the things I'm thinking too is this is so cool that we're, we're doing stories that are 400 years old, which is is really insane. And then it still is you can still make it relevant for today, and it's still still entertaining, which I, I find amazing. Because if you go back and try to read um, Ivanhoe, let's say Ivanhoe is not great. Not a fan. That kind of set me off from reading those classics because I only read like the classics from probably the time of like seventeen to like like twenty two, and then I got to Ivanhoe, and it was terrible. And every time a character came in, it was like two or three pages to describe everything they were wearing. And back in those days, they wore a lot of stuff, <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, oh, this is terrible. So a lot of stuff, you know, like uh, probably from like you know uh, even before I say like nineteen fifty. It could be not a little stiff and not entertaining, but but Shakespeare was entertaining. You know, he, he really played to the masses and, uh, you know, it works very well today. Oh, it so does. It does. And it's in so many things. And there's so it's it is layered. And, you know, you can't do family drama better than King Lear. And, you, you know, I mean, it, it just the only thing that like will maybe stop you, I think, is the language, because there's certain things, some language perfectly fine to understand. Other things you go, what the hell are they talking about? But, you know, in like 400 years, people are going to be saying, what the hell are these people talking about? Memes and, you know, posting to their wall and things like that. Or even if you went back, we went back to like our high school days and, and we were talking to somebody from today. You go, you probably wouldn't understand probably 50% of what we're talking about because that's what all we do. We say, oh, I took a selfie. And you go, what the hell is that? Right. No. So I don't know if, if maybe one day they'll they'll be considering like our ridiculous speech to be like elevated and like oh we're 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 writing in you know twenty first century speak and you know and, oh my god I hope not yeah. because um, <laughs> some of them are, or even like I'm writing a Hashtag. story work and it's like it's, it's all gibberish now it seems you know yeah like oh. like I would say like like my youngest I would not understand anything like oh because. You know, I work, I, I'm an entertainment reporter. So I'm trying, what, so, but all, all the stories are coming from social media. So I'm, I'm constantly writing like, like, you know, so-and-so said on their Instagram story. And even that probably, you know, a couple of years ago, you wouldn't have understood. So the language changes and, and the references, you know, if you go back to Star Trek, that great episode where, where Picard is on that planet with the, uh, what the hell is that dude's name? I forget. But when they they can't they can't speak and they're speaking in like idioms to each other, you know. Um, that's what it's like. It's like you you don't have that reference. So now we just refer to like 
odd references are always like reruns and stuff. Like remember this happened on the Simpsons, but Shakespeare is doing the same thing, but he's referring back to like, like the Greek tragedies and, and, and uh, poetry, you know, and but we just don't get those references. So, so that's where it becomes a little difficult, but like I said, I, you know, we're always doing that anyway. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that's all well said. And I, I'm, I'm super excited about this. And so I know our time is almost up. So we want to know two things. Well, and this is a list of things. What are the cool shit we can get, James? And when is the opening for people who want to submit their um, Shakespearean sonnets? I can't wait for you to read a bunch of Shakespearean sonnets. So you can get, we have, we have the two big rewards are the, the prose anthology and then the comics. So they're separate. They'll have different stories. Um, the prose anthology should have at least uh, 20 short stories and at least 10 sonnets. Um, I mean, the other, other rewards we have, we have a really cool t-shirt that Zach Atkinson uh, created uh, that is, is based off the, uh, the three witches from Macbeth. The witches. Yeah, I saw the picture of that in my email. That looks pretty cool. Yeah, he did a really great job with that. And then we have J.K. Woodward. Um, who did that awesome cover for Kolchak. He, he did, uh, well, he did all the art, basically, <laughs> for the prose anthology. He did the cover. Uh, he also did uh, four illustrations that are going to be in the book, but we're also um, offering that uh, as a print set. And then we just added a fifth print uh, for free. So you get five prints for 25 bucks. Uh, and we have a limited edition poster. We got the comic, as I said. Um, we might add some things and then we even have some leftovers from, from classic monsters only. So I have some Ooh, extra cool stuff. Nice. Were, were the Kickstarter exclusives with the Fred Frazetta art in there. Um, and we'll open up the submissions July 22nd. Cause this comes out on July 7th. So the Kickstarter closes on which day? July 24th. 1st i believe okay oh so the day just like last time the day after you're gonna open the day up after, okay yeah, the... so you're gonna hear this on the seventh people and you've got two more weeks to get on this train you've heard us talk about it now you need to go and click on all the links and get all the stuff and get your story around and how long are you gonna be open for submissions i think we're open for like 30 days okay so start yeah. writing people and all the all the rules are already there on the website you just can't submit yet you go to um monstrousbooks.com and they'll have the uh, the submission guidelines there. Yeah, we'll definitely we'll definitely need uh, a bunch of sonnets because I most likely will do more than ten. Uh, I mean, you've got ten already. No, I have six. Oh, okay. From your other That's, writers, we're definitely going to do ten. So these but, need to be horrific Shakespearean sonnets. Yeah, and that is it. it could be based on another sonnet. So it could Ooh. basically be a play on another sonnet, and just you can just horrify it up. It could be based on uh, a play, a Shakespeare play, uh, or a character, or it could be something even like totally original, as long as it's somehow connected with Shakespeare and its horror. I, I mean, I'm open to that, too. I mean, my mistress's eyes are nothing like the sun could totally be. You could really creep people the fuck out with that one. That I could be a lot of fun. doing a, a story based on that. Or I love that poem. That's probably my favorite of all of his honors. It's such... I used to teach it and I would, people would be like, boy, he's being a dick. I'm like, he's not read it again. <laughs> you could say that, but he absolutely isn't. Well, okay. Well, this has been a delight. Thank you, James. Dan, thank you for being here. Um, we'll let James have the last word. If you would like to follow me, I am not on social media anymore, but I have a website 
arfarina.com. And you can send me stuff there. I just got another short, one of my short stories just got put in a, in the E, the book that it got printed in is now an E edition. So you can get it there because the E edition is only 10 bucks where the book is 30. And so I always feel bad saying, Hey, buy my book. It's $30. I have one story in it. So uh, you can get that there. And uh, the Moon Knight collection should be coming out soon, hopefully, ooh. From, ooh, from Sequart. Yeah, so that's how you can get me. And of course, Comics in Motion, Pop Gorillas, all that good stuff. Dan, if people yes. wanted to hear more of your Shakespearean actor voice, where would they find you? Well, you will uh, obviously, Tony's coming on the show very shortly. I've got some great podcasts coming up. I've got... Uh, uh, Rhea and Tonya are coming on. We're going to talk about Pam Greer. I've just recorded one with Mike. We're going to talk about, we'll do some, finally do some Spider-Man content, talk about carnage. Um, but you can find me at spiderdanandthesecretballs.com. Everything is on there, all the links, everything. Go on there. That's B-O-R-E-S, as in boring, but the podcast is anything but. Anything but. And I will put all the links to all the Dan's goodies. So James, you've got stuff. You've got, now you're a publisher too. You were already an editor writer, entertainment journalist, all-around awesome nerd and cool guy. Now you've also got um, more stuff. So tell everybody where they should get it all. Well, the, the publishing company is Monstrous Books. So you can go to monstrousbooks.com and that'll give you all the links to, to all my Kickstarters and social media. But I have a million other websites too. So you can go to my, my, my author website, jamesacquilone.com. And that's A-Q-U-I-L-O-N-E. Or you can go to deadjack.com. That's my, uh, my website for my, uh, my uh, zombie detective series. Uh, and there's, there's tons of links there. And you can find me pretty much everywhere uh, on social media, except for TikTok, uh, as James Eckler. Because <laughs> you're on TikTok as somebody else. No, that's, you're just no. not on TikTok. My wife's on TikTok. And I, I, don't, I do not want to get into another whole platform. <laughs> I understand. I feel like too. I'm not. I, I would. I don't. I'm not on there at all. But I would feel like I don't know. There should be like an age limit at the high end. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like you yeah, graduated in what year? Like Dan, you're still young enough. You could get on TikTok, but uh, yeah, I, probably probably you're at the but, you're at the high end. Okay, yeah, but James yeah, I'm, I, I'm no. like, I think I think I'm on Instagram's enough for me. That's <laughs> young enough. That's, for you. all right. that's that's. I think that's my limit now. I think that's oh. more than enough. Well, yeah, I don't. I don't is... dance, so I, I'm not going to be any good on tiktok <laughs> yeah amazing well this is uh, awesome james thank you for this you got to go we know i i appreciate your time i can't wait i got in on day one people get on this comics shakespeare bag of awesome there's going to be an audiobook i can't wait for that i'm going to get the audiobook for your monsters unleashed you said it comes out in 12 days i'm all on that because i want that i love me some audiobooks and i hope i hope with this you're going to get a bunch of readers right so you can have a different reader for different occasions and that could be all kinds of yeah classic monsters does have a bunch of readers. it's like i think it's over 12 hours so amazing that's going to be amazing so links are in the show notes james when the next thing comes on let's do it again Absolutely. let's make this a recurring thing and you're going to be on paul's uh area of the geek yeah i just i did that earlier this week yeah yeah so that'll be coming out too all kinds of James. You listen, you think you had enough James Acalone? You didn't. More James Acalone. Well, you, right, had... you said there's the year of James Acalone. I so. did. And here it is. Now we're back. <laughs> yep. We'll see everybody next time. Thanks. Bye. Shall I compare thee to a summer's day? Thou art more lovely and more temperate. Maybe you might know these rhymes. They are from a sonnet that Shakespeare wrote long ago Fourteen lines, the first three quatrains establish a theme What is pentameter? Let's take a look Five 
pairs of syllables where rhythm is the hook Leaving Petrarch shook with Shakespeare's twist Unstressed stress and it sounds like this But soft what light through yonder window breaks Helping actors learn their lines to minimize mistakes Cause life is complicated, hardly idyllic Like an infrabrack mixed with a foot so dactylic Shall I compare thee to a summer's day? Thou art more lovely and more temperate Maybe you might know these rhymes they are from a sonnet that Shakespeare wrote long ago Fourteen lines, the first three quatrains establish a theme William Shakespeare, Shakespeare's life. No telebiographies penned by his wife. So we look to the sonnets and read what they say. Who was the darling? Who was Anne Hathaway? Who Shakespeare gave? No one really knows, but he wrote hella poems showing love to his bro. Was Shakespeare even Shakespeare? Many scholars want to know. So by any other name, is a rose still a rose, yo? Seriously though, the authorship question is a very important one, and it's honestly worth its own song. Stay tuned for that. Yo, DJ, this drop is too long. What is this, Coriolanus? Rhyme scheme goes A, B, A, B. He wrote sonnets too, but this song's not about you. A B B A A B B C D C D C D. Please. William Shakespeare wrote mad sonnets. William Shakespeare wrote mad sonnets. William Shakespeare wrote mad sonnets. If you love someone, drop a hammer on him. William Shakespeare wrote mad sonnets. William Shakespeare wrote mad sonnets. William Shakespeare wrote mad sonnets. If you love someone, drop a hammer on him. One twenty six. We wanna know where did you miss it? Rhyming couplet go. Sonnet one twenty six. We wanna know where did you miss it? Rhyming couplet go. Sonnet